So, all right, if you have your Bible, open it up to Psalm 121. As we continue in our series, we're calling the Psalms Mixtape. Last week, Jamie shared one of his favorite Psalms because of its personal connection with him and specifically with his father. And I have a confession this morning that this is not my favorite Psalm. It's not one of my favorite Psalms. But it does have a personal connection to me because it's one of my wife's favorite psalms. And as the Bible says, we are one. So when I pick out my favorite, that means I take hers too. Um, but this is, this is one of her most favorite psalms. And, and it has a very personal connection with her for the last 10 years. 10 years ago, Emma, my youngest daughter, got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Man, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years now, but, but 10 years ago, we got that news. And I remember that day because in a very short period of time, all of our lives changed forever. Mine, Amber's, Grace's, and of course, Emma's. We had no idea in that, that moment, that day, how much our life would change. Um, we wouldn't learn that until much, much later. But in the in the Bible, Solomon warns us all about uncertainty of life. You, you can see that in Proverbs 27.1. He says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring. And, and that was one of those days for us where we got up in the morning thinking one thing, and by the end of the day, we were, our lives were changed forever. And most of us, given the last few years and even the current state of world affairs that we live in, um, we know that life can change drastically at any moment. The Bible is, is full of examples of, of this because God wants us to know the world we live in. He wants us to not be surprised. So he puts stories like Job's in the Bible. A man who one day, in, in one day, he, he lost his possessions, his employees, so in other words, his business, his livelihood, and most tragically, his 10 beloved children. Can you imagine that much loss in one day? And then to top it all off, he loses his health. Job, Job's Life reminds us that we don't know what tomorrow holds. I think about that now as I watch the news and I watch these Ukrainian families having to split up and, and wives and children having to get on trains while husbands are taking arms to defend their homes. To, to just think how dramatically different their life was a month ago or two months ago or three months ago. And then overnight... Because of one man, everything changes. Every morning, people wake up all over the world, just like we did 10 years ago, with their lives changed forever. It could be because of a loss of a loved one or a loss of a job, a life-threatening illness. A country is being, your, your country is being invaded by Russia, resulting in the loss of your home, your business, and all your worldly possessions. And Psalm 121 was a song that was sung by the Israelites as they were traveling to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. 
This was something that they would do three times a year. They would journey from all over the land up to to Zion to observe the feasts. And this was a journey that was long, and it was hard, and it was exhausting. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to jump in the car, and we're going to be there in an hour. We're not going to jump on a train or a plane. We're walking, right? Maybe if you're rich, you got some animals you're riding on, but you're, you're still. This is a long, arduous journey. And the journey was filled with all kinds of of hazards. But these faithful Jews would have made this journey singing this song, reminding themselves that they were not walking alone. These pilgrimages would have been great teaching moments for fathers to their children, retelling them the story of the Exodus and reminding them of how the people wandered for 40 years because of their sin but how God was faithful and walked with them even in their rebellion, even in their sin, and got them to the promised land. The pilgrimage to the temple should remind us of a picture of our journey through life as Christians. We're we're all illegal aliens. We're all refugees making our pilgrimage through this life. It's one of the things I've been struck as I've watched the the coverage of Ukraine and and the the conflict and the war that is going on there. And I'm I'm seeing these people who are displaced and I'm thinking, that's us. That's a better picture of us than us owning homes and having businesses. We we tend to fall into this idea of, of permanency. But we are here temporarily. And just like those refugees who are counting on the kindness of people in this city that that they arrive in, and then the people in the next city as they continue to move their way away from the conflict, that's a picture of what we look like as Christians. And just like the Israelites, our journeys will be difficult. There there will be danger on, on every turn. But, but we, like them, are, are pressing on, making our way to a new city. We, like them, lift up our eyes to the heavens and sing this psalm to remind us that we are not alone. Spurgeon, remarking on this hymn, called it the Traveler's Hymn. I think there's probably no better title for it than that. And we're going to break it up into three sections this morning. Um, I had Megan read Psalm 120 because I want you to see that Psalm 20 is the plea and the ask for help, and the Psalm 21 is, is the response, is the, is the reply to that psalm. But we're going to break it up, and we're going to look at three things. Dana, you ready? Three things. The Lord is your helper. Dana got on to me because she said I read these points too fast, so I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to correct that. So the Lord is your helper. The Lord is your guardian. We're going to see that in verses 3 through 6. And the Lord is your keeper, verses 7 through 8. 
So the Lord is your helper, your guardian, and your keeper. So in verses 1 through 2 of Psalm 121, it says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Remember, again, this pilgrimage that these Israelites would have been on, they, they, they would have been hard and, and they would have been dangerous. But, but the whole time they knew they weren't alone. They knew that the Lord was their helper. So that they're, they're crying out here. And they're, they're lifting their eyes up and saying, where does my help come from? They're, they're reminding themselves of this truth that their help doesn't come from their strength. It doesn't come from their numbers. It doesn't come from their mental ability. It comes from the Lord. They remind themselves of this. They, they teach their children as they sing along this journey, teaching them that the Lord is their helper. Reminding them of that truth. And they're, they're asking the Lord to provide them with the endurance that they need for the journey. And, and asking their Heavenly Father to watch over them as they travel. Lift, lift up your eyes to the hills, he says. The closer the Israelites would have got to Jerusalem, the hills of Jerusalem would have begin to come into sight. Jerusalem is called a city on a hill for a reason. That's not a metaphor. That's reality. If you ever get a chance to go to Israel and you're coming into the city, you, you will notice this feature, this, this landmark. So as these people are walking and making their way in, all of a sudden they, they start to see the peaks of these hills, these mountains. And the one hill that would have stood out to the parents and they would have pointed it out to their children, is Mount Zion. But Mount Zion would have been really one of a collection of hills that made up the city of Jerusalem. Hence, Jerusalem is often, um, or the holy city becomes synonymous with the hills, as we see in verse 1. So, so in other words, when he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, he, they're saying, we lift up our eyes to the holy mountains, to, to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion. This would have been a special place for the Israelites because this was a special place in, where, in which God's presence dwelled with men on earth. Notice the, the strong confession that they make in verse 2. My, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord alone, the maker of everything you see, is your helper. Notice how here in, in just five simple English words in our translation, what, what a powerful confession is being made. Who made heaven and earth. By saying that the Lord is the maker of heaven and earth, the, the psalmist is declaring at least three important truths for us this morning. First, the Lord... Not idols or false gods that, that were worshipped by everyone else in the region. The Lord is the one true God. All, all of those other gods that all of these other people are worshipping are false gods. They're, they're idols. Second, the Lord is supreme over all beings. Ultimately, He is in control of of our lives. He, he is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the maker of you and I. 
And he is in control of even our future. Third, the Lord is all-powerful. He who made all things is greater than all things. And one thing I've learned sitting with so many people is our natural tendency in life to to focus on its challenges and, and all the uncertainty that we face. And I can remember myself, I, I get it, because I, we, we spent sleepless nights before going to the doctor to confirm that, that Emma did have diabetes. We knew something was wrong, we didn't, we didn't quite know what it was, but we, we had our suspicions. And it was easy in those moments to let all the uncertainty consume me and make me lose sight of the truth. The truth is that we would not have to walk the life of parents with a child that had life-threatening illness all alone. We, that, that was the truth, that, that God was always going to be with us. But, but in those moments of, of, of fear and uncertainty and, and not knowing, it was easy to lose sight of that. It was easy to, to focus on the disease, to focus on the problem, to focus on the circumstances and, and forget that God was my helper, that we had a helper that would enable us to bear not just this burden, but any burden that we might face. We needed to lift up our eyes to God, the maker of heaven and earth, and the maker of Emma. And remember that he is our helper In our times of need, as it says in Hebrews 14, 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We needed to look up and be reminded of that. And so that's what the psalmist is calling the people to do. And now as believers, we we have even more comfort, comfort than the writer of this psalm. God is not just with us, He is in us. Just like God's special presence dwelled there on Mount Zion, His holy hill, God now tabernacles or or dwells within believers through the Holy Spirit. His power is what enables us to do what we naturally cannot do on our own. And in our own strength. So when, we, when life throws difficult circumstances at us, our Lord is there and will help us. When life throws us uncertainty, the Lord will strengthen us with His certainty. When it feels like we will be crushed by our circumstances, God will uphold us. Because the Lord is our helper. This morning, we need not fear anything. We we should never feel inadequate to handle whatever life throws at us. Because the, the maker of heaven and earth is our helper. 
The, the reason that we shouldn't feel inadequate isn't because we got it all together or we got it all figured out. No, the reason that we should never feel inadequate is because the one who helps us is the one who made everything. Allowing us to claim like the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 13, 16. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord is our helper this morning. And that, that should bring you so much peace. And so much confidence. To face whatever life throws your way. But this psalm goes on. He's not just our helper. In verses 3 through 6, we learn that the Lord is your guardian. The word keep here, it means to guard, protect, watch over, tend, or exercise diligent care over. And this is the first time in verse 3 that we see this word used. It's used six times in this psalm. It's translated as keeps, keeper, and three times as to preserve. He protects us in, in several ways we see in verse 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade. On your right hand, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. First, the first way God guards us is he guards us from falling. Excuse me, I skipped over this in verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. God's people knew the way to Jerusalem was dangerous. And yet they, they still made their way because the, the path to Jerusalem, it's, again, we, we sometimes we forget and we start, you know, we, we, we have this concept of roads. I don't know if you realize like how modern of an adventure that uh, invention that is, how foreign that is to the rest of the world. If you've, if you've traveled the rest of the world, you, you probably understand that a little bit better. Uh, there's some things that pass for roads uh, that aren't roads, okay? Um, some, some countries didn't think ahead and think, you know what, we need two lanes. And, and so you're going down a road, and all of a sudden there's a car coming at you as fast as you're going at it, Right? But at least those are, are somewhat flat, somewhat paved in some way. Again, there's a multitude of ways that they do it, not in the asphalt way in which we do it here in America. But, but they're somewhat flat, they're somewhat smooth. But that would not have been the case for this journey. Now, the path would have been well beaten, but it would have been uneven. It would not have been level. There, there would, there's no large machinery going through and, and leveling everything out. There's, there's ascents and descents that you would have to make as you were making your way to Israel. So one of the things that would be difficult is keeping your footing. It would be very easy to stumble and fall if you took one wrong step. And despite this, they made the journey three times a year because they believed as this psalm says, that God guarded their very steps. I, I want you to notice how specific the care is in this psalm. He cares about the steps you take. And, and so they can make this journey with confidence, knowing that not only is God my helper, but he's my guardian. He's, he's watching out for me every 
step of the way. I can't imagine being a parent in this time, right? It's, it's hard enough nowadays where we can turn the radio up when the kids start asking, are we there yet? But can you imagine how distracting it would have been for the kids? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you're turning around, you're yelling out, and you fall over, right? Down the side of a hill, right? But, but they, they, they had faith in their God that he would guard over them, that he would protect them. And their, their tiredness, their, their weariness from the journey, it, it caused them to rejoice because they knew they had a God who never got tired. He never got weary. He never, as the psalm says, slumbered. He never even got tired. God diligently protected them and would not allow their feet to be moved. In other words, he wouldn't let them fall. We as Christians even more so understand this. We see it in the doxology in Jude, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. See, as Christians, we understand this not just as a physical truth. It's not, it's not as though we will never stumble and fall. But what he's saying here is that the Lord will never ultimately let us fall. That, that he will guard not only our physical bodies, but he will guard our souls. Verse 4 tells us that he will guard us at night. And, and in this verse, the, the psalmist invites the Israelites to recall all the ways the Lord had watched over and delivered his people. The Lord had faithfully watched over Israel, bringing them out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. The psalmist wants us to know that God watches over each and every one of his followers. We can rest easy knowing that, that, that just as he watched over Israel, he'll watch over us. He guards us even in our sleep. Why? Because he never sleeps. This is why this psalm has meant so much to Amber these last 10 years. You see, when, when Emma was diagnosed, we were given a couple of hours of instruction, handed her medicine, and told to go home. And from that point on, Amber had to become a doctor as well as a mother and a wife. And one of the things they told us in that couple of hours of instruction was that they warned us about overnight lows. These are some of the scariest things when it comes to type 1 diabetes. What happens is, is Emma's blood sugar starts dropping while she is asleep. And if it drops too low, she never wakes up. And she dies. Here's your medicine. Have a good day. Wait, should we stay in a hospital? I mean, this, this sounds dangerous. Yeah, 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 yeah. But go home. Now, imagine being told that and trying to sleep at night as a parent. Nowadays, we are so thankful. We have all this amazing technology. It notifies us. It checks our blood sugar every five minutes, and it, it sends it to us, to our phones, You've probably heard the alarms over the last 10 years in church sometimes going off 
letting us know that she's dangerously low because she doesn't know. The, 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 the crazy thing is, is as she starts dropping, her brain stops working. And some of you have seen this over the last 10 years, that Emma will just be kind of like staring off into the distance. She, she can't help herself. That, that's the, the dangerous part of this is that as her condition gets worse, the less she is able to help herself. And so she's, she's reliant on someone else to help her. And many nights, that was what Amber would be doing. She would be up, awake, not able to sleep, worrying about overnight lows. And before we had all this technology, the only way we could check her was to go and physically check her blood. But, but that was just a moment in time. We didn't know if she was going up. We didn't know if she was going down. We just knew where she was in that moment. And Amber struggled for years feeling guilty for sleeping. If she had a good night's sleep, she struggled the next day for feeling guilty that she didn't stay up and keep watch and make sure that Emma was okay. Sleeping was something that for us brought fear and dread. Emma would often be afraid to even go to sleep. She was old enough to understand. She was old enough to know the consequences of what would happen. And so sleep was not a good thing at our house. There were many, 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 many sleepless nights. And if you don't believe that we have an enemy, I can tell you we do. And the reason I know that is because do you know the nights that were the most sleepless? Saturday nights. It was very comforting to Amber and I to know that Emma had a guardian that was watching over her as she slept. The Lord is the God of the individual. Jesus said, I, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. It's comforting to know this morning that God watches over his people individually. Jesus said that, that even, he even keeps track of how many hairs are on your head. Now, that's a constantly changing number, and I know for some of you that's easier than others. But, it, but, he, but he wants you to know just how much he cares for you. The, the, the level of detail in which he cared, how, how individualistic his care is for each one of us. It's, it's not as though there's this broad group of people and it's like, okay, well, God is, he's loving them. He's, he's loving each and every one of them. Verse 5, God guards us even, even from the sun. He, he provides a protective shade. One of the things that you'll notice if you ever get a chance to go to Israel is outside of cities, the lack of trees. Right? There's not a whole lot of places in between cities where people are watering trees to, to actually find shade. And one of the dangerous things of this journey would have been the scorching sun as they were walking, making their way to Jerusalem. And God cares so much for his people that it, it says he even protects them from the sun. Not, not only did he guard over them, 
when they were tired and weary and when they were asleep. But in addition to that, he was their relief from the scorching sun. Fourth, his, his presence guards us from all troubles, both day and night, he says in verse 6. Just because the sun went down didn't mean danger stopped. That's when the wild animals come out, right? That, that's when they're hunting. And here's a large group of meat all huddled around one place. Seems like an ideal buffet, right? But not only did you have to worry about the wild beasts, you also had to be laying there on the ground wondering, uh, was that movement my child or a snake? Is that itch in my back a scorpion? Right? There were plenty of dangers that would have happened at night as well. Not to mention the robbers that would lay in wait three times a year looking for easy marks, making their pilgrimage back to Israel. But the Lord who shaded his people during the day also shielded them during the night. He who never sleeps stood guard over them while they rested. The mention of, of day and night together covers basically all threats, any threat that, that any of us may, fet, may face. The, the scorching sun should remind us as Christians of what Peter called fiery trials. Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Just because we follow Jesus doesn't exempt us from the trials of life. We, we like everyone else, must experience them. Though while going through them, the, the same trials, God will never let them destroy us. God guards us during these trials and he walks with us, providing us shade, making it possible for us to be able to endure any fiery trial that may come to us. His word tells us that he goes even farther than just guarding us during these trials, that, that somehow he turns these trials into growth in our lives. That, that what the enemy means uh, to, to harm us, God somehow uses for good. God's comforting presence gives us desperately needed relief. The Lord is always at our right hand. Always available. Day and night, He's with us. Protecting us around the clock from whatever threats may arise. And because of that, we, we can walk fearlessly during the day and then sleep peacefully at night, knowing that our Lord is always on guard. Not only is the Lord our helper and our guardian, but he's our keeper. We see this in verses 7 through 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The psalmist states very clearly here that the Lord will preserve us from all evil. Evil refers not just to wickedness, but also to anything bad that happens in our lives. Whatever trouble comes our way, the Lord will keep us from harm. 
and preserve our souls or lives. The word there that's translated life is, is really the word for soul. It, it speaks of, of more than just physical life or life of the body. Uh, simply defined, it's, it's the inner being with its thoughts and emotions. In other words, it's, it's the whole person. It's, it's you. And he'll watch over you both now and eternal, eternally. The Lord's care for his people is complete and unending. The, the psalmist is assuring us that, that God is watching over us as we go out and as we come in. This, this expression, it, it kind of depicts, if you think about us, like leaving our home in the morning and returning in the evening. That, that in our going and our coming, the Lord is watching over us every step of the way. And just like day and night, it speaks of, of everything that happens in between. Everything we do in every place we go throughout the course of our life. Furthermore, God's care over us isn't limited just to the here and now. Rather, it, it, it extends eternally into eternity. The Lord is our helper, our guardian, and our keeper. The psalm doesn't tell us that we will always be able to avoid troubles that come in life. It also doesn't teach us that we will never be harmed in our life. Yet throughout our lives, there have been many times that your Lord has spared you from adversity. This psalm teaches us that day by day, God watches over us, guarding us and keeping us. Not just physically, but spiritually. Because here's the thing, if the Lord doesn't return, 100% of you will die. I don't believe in a lot of statistics, but that's one that I'll take to the bank. It doesn't matter how much you exercise. doesn't matter how much you eat right. doesn't matter how many right choices you try to make with your life. Everyone. Death comes for everyone eventually. This psalm, though, teaches us that every step of the way we have a God who is watching over us, who is with us. And he has a plan for our lives, and our days are numbered according to his plan for each and every one of us. It also reminds us that when the day of trouble comes, no matter what happens to us physically, the Lord will preserve our souls. The Bible is full of this reassuring truth. I talked about Job in the introduction. He's but one of many. You, you learn in the Bible about so many people that were afflicted physically, mentally, emotionally, and yet they were not destroyed. In Matthew 10, 18, Jesus said this. Jesus taught us that, that we as Christians do not need to fear those who can kill our bodies because they cannot kill our souls. 
As believers, we belong to God and there is nothing in this world, nothing in this world that can separate us from Him. He will help us. He will guard us. He will keep us. This is why we should not live in fear, even in the midst of all the uncertainty and all the adversity that we might face. Instead, we need to learn to rest in what this psalm teaches. No matter what happens, nothing can separate us from our Father's love. Many commentators, this, this series of psalms in this section in book 5 are called the songs of ascent. In other words, the, the songs they would sing as they were making their way to Jerusalem. And many commentators see this psalm as a psalm that they would sit around the fire at night and sing before they went to sleep, reminding themselves that they had a God that would help them, a God that would guard them, a God that would keep them. Even when they shut their eyes and they are completely out of control, they had a God who was completely in control. That nothing in this world could ever separate us from him. Paul said it like this in Romans 8, 35 through 39, and I'll close with this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's my sincere hope and prayer this morning that you know this Lord that I've been talking about. That you acknowledge your need for help. And you turn to him this morning. As I close this in prayer, we're going to be celebrating communion this morning. And I, we invite you to come and celebrate with us what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. So that we might be able to say that this is our God. That helps us and guards us and keeps us. None of that would be possible apart from the work that he did on the cross, atoning for our sin. Would you join me in a prayer? Father, we thank you so much for being a God who loves us, who helps us, who guards us, and who keeps us. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning that, that may not know you, God, that this morning they would cry out to you, confess their sin, look to the finished work of Jesus Christ as their atonement so that they might begin a relationship with you this morning. 
And Father, for the rest of us who perhaps have done that, Lord, but what we've drifted back into self-sufficiency and we have forgotten our need for a helper and a guardian and a keeper. And we come here this morning anxious, fearful, scared that we would confess and repent and turn back to you rather than ourselves. And Lord, that we would be able to leave here singing as the Israelites would have sang, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord.